so what's occurred to me is this. What happens next year? I think that we just replay the ones that we did this year. And then for the fans that didn't hear it. I'm always thinking ahead on the podcast, also optimistically saying, of course there will be a next year. By the way, to ensure that there's a next year, sponsorship opportunities for the Firewall and Pope podcast remain available. Uh, Email us at mike at 570news.com or, uh, of course, you can find the podcast at 570news.com on podcasts and on iTunes. Of course, you know where to find it. You're listening. Really, what I'm getting at, too, more than anything is what the hell else is there to do in Barrie? I mean, really, when it comes right down to it. So you go to Barrie. We only make the trip once a year. We've talked to an NHL legend. What are we going to do next year? Yeah, we should have went to Alliston. They have this great wing joint. Oh, here we go. CW Coops. There's like a hundred different kinds. That's what we're doing next year. We're going to go there and we're going to do a taste test of the wings. I'm a salt and pepper guy. Oh, wait till you go there. You, you won't be a salt and pepper guy. No, I'm a salt and pepper guy because you know I have a delicate constitution and I cannot handle anything even remotely spicy. Yeah, you're not you're not good that way. No, I'm not no. good that way at all. Uh, that's what we're doing next year. So, okay. CW Coops, hit us up. <laughs> I like. Did we mention the sponsorship opportunities are still available? This one apparently brought to you by CW Coops. So here we are again in uh, in Barry, and we we go to this what well, was actually the referees' room before the game, and sit down. And I just I loved how our guest, and I'm sure people have figured it out by now, but he just sits back against the wall, arms crossed casually wearing a sweater with his own hockey classic name embroidered onto it but that's just life in the Ontario Hockey League and and the more I sit back and think about it the more I think about the players that we run into or the, the coaches that we run into who were players and all these different things in fact we're recording this piece right now just before the Rangers Pete's game on Sunday night and former Ranger Mike Duca was now behind an OHL bench it's just it's pretty interesting. A lot of these guys don't get too far away from the game. No, you, when you live and breathe it for so long, you do that, and you put in the work because it's, you're passionate about it. So if you're passionate about it, you want to stick around. You don't want to just leave it. And that's why you see all these former players coming back and, and starting to coach. I was talking with somebody today uh, about Mr. Dale Powerchuk, and I said we got his, uh, he's our topic this week on the podcast. And their first reaction was, isn't he a great guy? Isn't he great to sit down and talk to? Like, what a nice guy. This guy, in 1987, Canada Cup, tie game, and he takes the face off over Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. So, I have to be honest, what I really wanted to hear was what it's like for him, because he would have been fourth man really on the play, right? It's Lemieux, Gretzky, then Murphy, and then Howard Chuck's in there somewhere. But I wanted to know, from his perspective, almost give me the play-by-play, right? Yeah. We didn't really get that. But the story of the face-off is awesome. Right? It's so how, good. How does Dale Howarchuk take the draw over <laughs> Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux? With all due respect to Dale Howarchuk, a Hall of Famer easy. It took too long, right, Mike? I, it, it did take too long. Wait, did I mention that at all? It took too long to get Dale into the Ding Dang Hall of Fame, for the love of all things holy. I look to you for a reaction during this chat, too, and I'm not sure. Either you, you've just got that professional stone-cold stare, or it just didn't phase you. But Dale Howardchuck has just become the first person to curse on our podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard him and I was like, oh, well, that's going to be okay. Um, yeah, just, you know what, just go with it. He's a Hall of Famer, whatever. <laughs> we went to, uh, oh, where, where did we play again in uh, in Barrie? What was the name of the place? The very Molson Center. Right, and uh, went to Dale Howardchuck's office, knocked on the door, sat in the referee's room before the game, had a little chit-chat.
Well, I, I mean, I think we have to start with where you just came back from, and when you're going back into Winnipeg and, and uh, inducted into that Jets Hall of Fame, what's going through your mind when you go back into that city for that kind of a ceremony? Well, Winnipeg's always been a special place for me, you know, especially being drafted there as an 18-year-old and, you know, played there nine years. So, And I lived there year-round, so I uh, became home, and I guess it's it's just good to go back home. And uh, it's a pretty special night. Is you know, it's it's an honor. It's humbling, and uh, um, you know, I had a closeness to that that province and that city, and uh, um, you know, it's a night I'll never forget. It's not too long ago the NHL returned to Winnipeg. Um, what was going through your mind as the process kind of came about? When it returned, uh, I always said it would return. It was too good a hockey market. You know, you played in enough hockey markets in the NHL that just weren't that great and uh for but winnipeg was always strong they just needed a new building and then uh, you know get the right people running the show and um it's been a real first class organization since they come back mark chipman and his group there they, they do a wonderful job and um in the last couple of years starting with the heritage game last year uh he's in, started to introduce the alumni back and uh and it's been good. It's been good for the you know the fans of Winnipeg, and it's been, I think it's been good for the players too. They're starting to see the history of uh, of the Winnipeg Jets. You talk about that uh, that Heritage Classic, the alumni coming back, and you never got to play with them obviously during your career. But you and Timu Solani at different times, kind of the faces of that franchise. How much fun was it for you being on the ice with him? Well, it's funny when Timu was first drafted. I was still with Winnipeg, and he came to training camp. We were in uh, Moncton, but he had to go back for army duty. And, and that's why he didn't stay. We we really connected in uh, training camp, and John Ferguson told, was the GM, and he told me at the time, and I said, "Is there is there no way we can send another Finn back to do that?" <laughs> and it was like, uh, no, he had to go back, and then he went back, and then he broke his leg, so he didn't come back to the NHL until he was what twenty one or whatever. So uh, I was gone by then, but uh, he was. You could tell he was a special talent, and. Uh, Playing with him in the Heritage Classic was great because he's he just, you know, removed from the game. He was still in good shape, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Does he still have it when you were playing with him, or <laughs> where did he where did he rank? Well, he looked me off a couple of times when I was open, so I had to give him shit, but uh, <laughs> no, he, he still got it. <laughs> 1981, you're drafted. You, you talk about Winnipeg and what it was like as, a, as an NHL franchise, uh, but when you got there, you became the face of a real fledgling franchise. At, at 18 years of age, Dale, when you get the call to Winnipeg, who, I'm trying to remember, the name, but anyway, they're coming off an awful season, bottom yeah. line. How did you feel? You're a kid from Ontario, off to, the, to Manitoba. Well, you know, I look back, and, you know, I was the first pick, which, you know, you're proud of, but uh, when I look back on it, I was pretty lucky that it was Winnipeg, because it was a place that really suited me, you know, and... Uh, I, you know, I had such a passion for the game, and obviously John Ferguson and his staff uh, had the same kind of passion. And then once I got outside the walls of the Winnipeg Arena, I realized the whole province had the same passion for hockey and the Jets. And uh, you know, it was a great place to play. I mean, uh, we don't we don't worry about the cold there because uh, we're we're playing hockey all the time then. But uh, uh, it was a great place to play, and uh, I ended up uh, after my first year buying a house and. And living there, and, and I lived for many years later. Even when I was playing in Buffalo, I had a cottage up in uh, Gimli, Manitoba. So, uh, um, you know, I had a closeness to that that whole that whole province. You mentioned your time in Buffalo and Winnipeg in the cold. Which city was colder? <laughs> um, it's damp here, out there, out there. You know, it's going to be cold, and 
you dress for it more there. That's what I noticed. You know, you had your your heavy dress coat and you had your parka, so you only had two choices when you got up in the morning. But uh, and uh, long johns were usually a good uh, thing to put on too. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. You've had some obviously major accomplishments in your career. You mentioned being taken first overall, back-to-back Memorial Cup, Canada Cup. Where does where do those rank? Where at what point in your career were you like? You know, holy cow, what was the pinnacle that you, that you got to, you think? Uh, my whole career. Yeah. You know, I got to play a game I love. Uh, I was very ultra competitive. Um, every night I walked on that ice, I was thankful that I had this opportunity. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate I won a couple of Memorial Cups, a couple of Canada Cups. Didn't win a Stanley Cup, but uh, I just know in my heart it wasn't from a lack of competing. But uh, I enjoyed the process of it, competing every night. And uh, um, that's when you know it's in your blood. I want to ask about the 87 Canada Cup. I'm sure you've talked about it many times, but there you are uh, on the ice with Lemieux and Gretzky. You're taking the face-off in the defensive zone. You win the draw, the play goes up ice, and you're trailing a little bit watching Lemieux and Gretzky head up the ice. What is going through your mind, and what are you seeing as a player? Well, I took the face-off by default because um, when I, when Keenan sent me out, Messier was at the end of a shift, and usually he would take the draws. But So I looked at Wayne, and he just shook his head, no, I'm not taking it. And then I looked at Mario, and Mario says, it's my wrong side. So uh, him being a right shot. So I said, I just whispered to Mario, I said, look, I'm just going to tie him up, okay? So that that's, that's kind of the the idea for him just to come in and look for the loose puck which he did and their defenseman pinched and away they went and uh, the rest was history when you were going down ice i, I watched a video and you, you looked like you ran a little bit of interference on, on the russian player which was obviously allowed back then um but what was what were you uh what was going through your mind when you saw them passing the puck um yeah i ran you, you could back then you could just kind of hook for a little bit but by the time the guy fell, I was 20 feet away from him. So, like, you know, it wasn't like uh, you got used to, you know, a guy. You could break a guy's stride everywhere if you watch the hooking. But uh, just watch him go in, it was like I, I knew Murph was wide open beside the net, but it was in Mario's hands, and uh, he hadn't missed much the whole tournament. But uh, I think because Murph was wide open back door, I think the goalie kind of froze a little bit and didn't play the shot as much. And uh, of course, Mario picked the corner, so it, it was it was elation because we were exhausted. You know, it was a tough series, and we didn't want to go to overtime again. There's a, I love the video, the celebration at the end, where you guys are up against the glass, and you must have jumped, I think, 20 times just <laughs> in the spot. Just so you could tell you were so excited. Yeah, it was uh, like I said, it was uh, it was a tough series, even even. Uh, you know, when we were down and that, you know, the guys didn't say much. We just kind of all kind of knew what we had to do. It was a, it was a quiet, confident group, and uh, uh, we knew uh, the only thing that mattered were going to be results on the ice. You mentioned Mike Keenan's name at that 87 Canada Cup, one of the NHL's legendary coaches. Was there a point in time along your path, Dale, that you realized, yep, coaching is where I want to go to next? Not really. You know, I really didn't think about it. Um, you know, he stayed in the moment, uh, but, uh, you know, I just kind of fell into it in Orangeville a little bit, and then then uh, the calling came from Barry, and uh, here we are eight years later. But uh, Goes fast, huh? Yeah, it does. It's like a blur, but... Uh, um, and, and even your playing career, because you're, you're so focused on what's happening this 
that day, you know, everything's day to day between injuries and changes or, you know, whatever's working, not working. So it, it hasn't changed really since when you, when you played. The only problem is, is a, you know, when we get fired up for a game, we can't go out and get a sweat and, and release that energy. You know, we got to stay in the moment, but uh, uh, it's been fun. You mentioned the competitiveness that you played with. How do you control that competitive competitiveness behind the bench? Because you talked about you can't go out and you know, get that sweat on when you get worked up. Experience, you know. I think uh, you know you've seen a lot uh, from behind the bench. But uh, I'm a believer. If uh, you know we're going to be confident, you know I got to be composed. And uh, if I'm composed, and my guys are going to look at me, well, he's not worried. Why should we be worried? So uh, um, we try to keep composure for sure. You played in a uh, wide-open era of the National Hockey League. Points were coming in. And it's not to take away from the points you put up, but you have guys like Gretzky and Lemieux. We talked about you playing with them on the Canada Cup, but did you ever look at the score sheets and say, come on, guys, give, a, give another guy a chance out here? <laughs> <laughs> it's different, you know. I played long enough that, you know, I saw a lot of the changes in 16 years. And uh, uh, when I first broke in, it was really man-on-man. Man. If you beat your man, there's a good chance you're going to create an opportunity. Uh, then, then it started, you know, the trapping and the zoning up, and uh, uh, didn't have as many power plays either, which was, you know, uh, a big difference. And but I think the biggest difference, more than anything, was the goalie's equipment. You know, the goalie's equipment changed a lot over time, and uh, you know that's what's brought scoring down. You know, there's still a ton of chances, but these goalies now, they, you know, they're they take just coming in on them. You, you can see there's so much less room to shoot at. Well over a point a game in the National Hockey League, um, a Hockey Hall of Fame member. What went through your mind when uh, that call came in? came too late. It came too late. Did I say that yet? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's always special, but you don't play. I never played for that. I I played to compete and win every night. And, uh, you know, when those accolades come, you know, you, you reflect back on, you know, how so many people helped you to get here. And whether it's, you know, minor hockey, coaches, players, uh, you know, it's a team game, right? So um, when you get uh, an individual honor like that, it's it's almost a team honor. You know, you've played with some great players. 97 Cup final with Philadelphia, the closest uh, that you came. Uh, and obviously by that point you knew that it was coming up on the end of a career. What was that playoff run like for you? It was fun. Uh, it was uh, frustrating too because uh, my hip was really bad, and you know I just couldn't be the difference maker I wanted to be. And um, you know I had some good treatment for a while, especially through the Buffalo series, and then and then the hip got bad again. And as towards the end of the Rangers series, and by the Detroit series, uh, you know it was almost shot. So um, that part was frustrating. Uh, I, I enjoyed Philadelphia; it was a great organization. Um, all, all the organizations I played for were, were great. It's just, uh, and sometimes timing's everything, you know. Like, uh, I played in an era where we didn't have, you know, there wasn't a salary cap. So some teams spent money and others didn't. And, you know, everybody had their budget. But when I was in Philadelphia, I soon realized that they weren't afraid to spend and try and get the best players and win it. How tough was it being traded, particularly that first time? You're part of a blockbuster deal going from Winnipeg to Buffalo. Um, that wasn't so hard. I, I thought I'd be in Winnipeg for life, but management changed, and uh, you know those things happen. But uh, you know, going to Buffalo, uh, uh, and I enjoyed Buffalo. We had a good hockey club there. We, it was one of those f- 
those five years we just couldn't stay healthy in the playoffs one of our one or two of our key guys were always hurt and uh, um the fifth year I was hurt so it was like it was a little bit frustrating that way but uh, um you know, seeing going to the east was you saw the difference in, in travel, um, even uh, you know media coverage. It's almost two, like two leagues, east and west. How do you like to travel here in the O? <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> We're pretty good. We're central, so yeah, we, we only stay over you know four or five times a year, so it's not too bad. I'm sleeping in my own bed most nights. Here in the O, it's uh, obviously. You know, limited time for a lot of players, and making it to Memorial Cup is an accomplishment in itself. You got to win two. Um, did you ever think after winning the first that you guys would maybe get back to a second? The first, we were kind of like a Cinderella team. So, like, you know, a few teams in the queue had really stocked up and bought some players at the end, and uh, then all of a sudden we had the, you know, we upset Sherbrooke in, uh, in the finals in uh, six games, and so then we went to. Uh, Regina and Brandon and there was Peterborough and of course uh, the Regina Pats you know with Doug Wickenheiser and again we were the the underdog and somehow we found a way and we had a lot lot of bounces on our way but it was a pretty tight knit group but um, our starting goalie actually got hurt in the first round of the playoffs and the other guy ran the table so you know strange things happen when you win what about the second one? The second one, we were strong. We were strong. We, we got off to a slow start because uh, Doug Carpenter left just before we were going to start camp to, to coach in uh, Moncton for Toronto's farm team. And then uh, Bob Kilger came in. He just retired as a referee, so he really had no coaching experience. So we got off to a poor start. But then we found our way, and then by, you could feel it by the second half. We were a strong team, and, uh, um, yeah, we were uh, – we wanted the Memorial Cup again, and that was that was our goal. And anything else would be disappointing, but uh, we had a good, strong team. Mark Crawford was there, Scott Arneal, Doug Gilmore came in. We had Fred Boimstrick, Fred Arthur on defense. We were pretty strong. And a guy by the name of Dale Howard, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> you talked, Dale, about Winnipeg and knowing that uh, the NHL should be back there. Should the OHL get back to Cornwall at any point? Yeah, you never know, I guess. Um, you know, I think uh, it was a great hockey market. Uh, we obviously, we played in the Quebec League. Yeah. Because we won the two Memorial Cups uh, with Ontario kids, we, uh, but we were representing the Quebec League, um, you know, the change came for Cornwall to come back to Ontario. And then, of course, it moved to the new market, to Sarnia now. But, uh, um, you know, it was, uh, I think the people in Cornwall were just so used to the, the style of the Quebec League, which was pretty high-flying at the time. And then the O was a bit of clutch and grab at that time, so it was a big change. I don't know if, uh, what happened there. But, again, it's ownership, too, who's, who wanted, whether they're going to keep it or move it. But uh, uh, you never know. It could be back there one day. They got the rink for it. Back in those days, it was much more you, – you weren't as uh, friendly with the other team. Nowadays, you know, kids know each other from uh, – uh, playing together. Um, are there guys from your playing days in both the OHL and the NHL that you still keep in touch with on a regular basis? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I remember um, Mark Crawford went to Vancouver and I was with Winnipeg and and uh, Vancouver was in, in the morning skate so I walked out by our bench and I was talking to Mark by the boards. He, Vancouver was skating and John Ferguson happened to walk by and he says if you want to play on a line with him I can arrange it. You know what I mean? <laughs> So that was pretty funny, but that's the way it was back then. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I always say, you know what, we were teammates at one time, but we were friends forever.
What do you think of major junior hockey today compared to when you played it with Cornwall? Um, well, the game keeps changing, and you got to change with the times. And uh, same with our league. I've been here eight years, and, and the game's changed from my first year to now. So you got to change with the times, and the, the players adapt to it. You know, uh, as coaches, we we try to teach them uh, how to adapt to it as well. And uh, um, these guys are the group of kids. They're all sponges. They want to get to the next level, and. Uh, they learn to adapt. As you uh, were uncrossing your arms, I noticed a ring on your hand. It looks like a championship ring. Is that what we're looking at here? Oh, it's a Hall of Fame ring. Oh, yeah, is. yeah. Uh, I've worn that since uh, since I received it. But uh, yeah, the other ones are all locked away. You, you mentioned that you know it, when you get that kind of honor, the individual honor, it's a team honor and stuff, and you reflect on your whole career. Is there are there days that go by throughout the year though that when you go to grab something and you catch that, you're like, you know, I'm pretty lucky, kind of thing, or. Well, I realize I'm very lucky, but, uh, you know, I forget I even have it on sometimes, but uh, um, it, it just fits the best. <laughs> you know I mean? As you get older, you're, you know, the fingers change, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's a special place every every year when induction time comes around. It's it's great to reflect on things, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of special players in there, so this year even, you know, going down and playing the Hall of Fame game and seeing all the guys going in. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a remarkable group. You mentioned that a couple times your competitiveness. Where did that come from? Um, I don't know. You know, I, my parents were, you know, believers, you know, in, in growing up the right way, treat people well, you, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, you know, uh, wrong from right. And I, and I always kept those values. But when, when hockey was, when it was hockey, you know, I had a, I had a passion, you know, to, to keep it out and of our net and score in the other net. So uh, sometimes you're just born with it, I think. Yeah, and when you look at uh, the relatively few, in the grand scheme of things, players that make it to the National Hockey League, is that trait almost necessary? You have to have that drive to keep yourself competitive at the next level? Oh, 100%. You know, if you don't have that passion, uh, it's, there's too many guys that have it and they'll, they'll pass you by. Uh, when you have that passion, you know, it's like anything you do on the ice or off the ice, you're, you're challenging yourself that if you don't do it hard enough or fast enough, that you almost tell yourself you won't make it, so you keep pushing yourself. And and I've seen that, you know, with the Ekblads and the Shifleys and Pearsons when they came here, they were the same way. When did the hips first start flaring up on you? And you started knowing that, geez, this is going to get last, bad. Yeah, my last couple of years, uh, but, you know, uh, I wasn't sure how long uh, back then uh, they had, the hip surgery wasn't uh, as prevalent and but I, I did get it checked out uh, towards the end and um, there was just too much wear and tear on it by that time it wasn't cleaning it out wouldn't have made a difference we talked about the hall of fame game and competitiveness and whatnot playing in that hall of fame game does that competitive competitiveness still kind of come up or you you know you get that pass and it bounces over your stick or are you kind of like oh, i really wanted that goal <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's it's still there with all the guys. It's yeah. funny, you know. It's a, um, once the game gets going, everybody's you can tell everybody's the same way, but uh, uh, it's just a little slower. <laughs> is is yeah. there one guy that's more competitive than the rest, or, or one guy that you don't want to play against, hope, hoping that he's on your team? No, I think there's there's been a few guys in the past that uh, you know take it over the top, but they don't usually invite them back. <laughs> Even though Dale is super competitive and obviously super intense, we will invite him back for another edition of the podcast. You think that might yeah. be okay with 
the Farwell and Pope podcast that <laughs> Hall of Famer Dale Howard Chuck joins it? Okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. He was nice enough. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's what we'll do. The next so he time... Can, he can sleep easy, so... <laughs> What what we'll do is we'll we'll line up for a face off, right? So you you go yeah. into the circle first, then no, and then I'll me, I'm like, yeah, and I'll be like, Dale, I I don't shoot wrong this side. way, yeah, wrong side. So yeah. you, you, Dale, do you mind just coming in here and when you take the face off, we'll record a podcast. How awesome is that? <laughs> I still think that's so cool. It was really hey, great. He, he can tell his kid, like obviously Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong, great Hall of Famer, first overall pick, but you also took a draw over two of the greatest ever. And can I just say, when you mentioned that first overall pick and going to Winnipeg, and I still haven't checked this. I think they won like 17 games, maybe 13. It was awful. Less than 20, I promise you that. It's an expansion franchise in the NHL at the time coming over from the WHL, right? Or the WHA. And here he is going to, like this Toronto area kid, going to Winterpeg. And did, did he hold out? Did he say no? Like, it's just... It's different, man. It it's, is. It's very different. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, when he got there, the, the franchise really took off. Okay, I kind of like that one. It was way better than your even flow line. No, it last wasn't. Week. That oh, was brilliant. It was awful. If, you, if by brilliant you mean awful. Even flow. That was fantastic. By the time you are listening to this, we are already going to be, or by the time it's posted anyway, because it comes out Friday mornings. We're up north again. Lord knows what we're going to do up there this time around, but we hope you've been enjoying these little experiences along the way, and hopefully the Rangers are still rolling like they have been. They were uh, playing some good hockey heading into this northern swing. I'm bringing a winter coat this time around. <laughs> I thought the same thing. My parka is definitely packed. I had to wear a toque today. I'm not happy. <laughs> Look at us. We should <laughs> we should wear toques in September. Good point. All right. Uh, great to have you along for another ride on the Farwell and Pope podcast. Remember, sponsorship opportunities are still available. At Farwell underscore OHL, at underscore Chris Pope. Email is mike at 570news.com. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.